Today on Know the Truth, a new lesson from Philip DeCourcy. We need people who follow Christ to follow. That's one of the musts of the Christian life. We need to find people who follow Christ to follow. People who will act as handrails to help steady you when it's tough, to help guide you when it's confusing as you pursue Christ. And that's what Paul was to Timothy. Welcome to Know the Truth, and today Philip DeCourcy illustrates that having a hero in the faith is vital to growing in our faith. It's a message on the importance of spiritual mentorship from our latest series titled Without Apology. Remember, you can always replay your favorite messages from this series when you visit our website, ktt.org. You can also listen on the KTT app. Just search your app store for Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. Now let's join Philip in 2 Timothy chapter 3, for today's message. Some years ago, researchers wanted to delve into the whole idea of peer pressure. And so they set up a test that involved groups of young people numbering 10. And these young people would be brought in and three cards labeled A, B, and C would be held up. On each card, there would be a different sized line. One line would be short, one line would be long, and another line would be just short of long. What was interesting about this test was that nine of the 10 young people had been prepped to always pick the line that's just short of long. And so the 10 would be brought in and they would go through, we're looking for the longest line. Is it A, is it B, or is it C? And so you can imagine what happened. When they come to that line, which is just short of long, nine hands went up. And the one person who wasn't in on this would stir for a minute, look around the room, kind of going, that's wrong. That's not the longest line. But then they'd look around the room and go, well, nine people got to be right. I got to be wrong. And they would normally cave in. In fact, the researchers determined as they went through group after group that 75% of the young people who were not in on the research would indeed go against their better judgment and go with the crowd. And so the outcome of this experiment or this test or this research was to prove the reality of peer pressure. It is easier to fit in. It's better for all concerned to go with the flow, because who wants to be rejected when one can be accepted? Nobody likes to be the odd man out. Nobody likes to be on the outside looking in. Peer pressure is real. Melting into the crowd is a great and a grave temptation. We see it in school, at work, in the arts, in the military, or even in government the clear and present danger of peer pressure, of conforming to the crowd or to the culture. And that is a temptation that the Christian must confront and conquer. The Christian must dare to be different because we have been called in Christ to be different, to be a moral misfit, 
to march to the beat of another drummer. In fact, you see it in the picture of repentance. Every man everywhere ought to repent. That's the gospel call. And the idea behind repentance is an about turn. You're going in one direction in life. You're committed to a certain lifestyle outside of Jesus Christ. God gets a hold of you. Grace turns you around. And in repentance, you do an about turn. And if you do an about turn, it means that you're going in a direction that's opposite to the direction you once were going in. It also has you going against the crowd. It has you turning into traffic. You see it in the idea of saintliness. One of the great words in the New Testament for the Christian is the saint. The saints at Colossae, the saints at Ephesus. You get to the root of the word saint. It's tied into the word holy, which is explained by the thought to separate. A saint is someone who is separated from the world unto God. Transformation has taken place. They're now the odd man out. They're separate from the crowd. They're separate from the world. They're in it, but not off it which would, again, take us to the fact that this idea of being different is indeed the whole genesis of Jesus' prayer in John 17. Father, I don't pray you'll take them out of the world, but you'll keep them from the evil that's in the world, because while they're in it, they're not off it. They're now new creatures with new natures and new appetites, and they're going in a new direction that often has them, you know what, turning into traffic and Famously, you've got Paul's words, don't you, in Romans 12, verses 1 to 2, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. We're not to be conformers, we're to be transformers. Or as J.P. Phillips famously translates it, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Dare to be different. Walk in step with the Spirit And that will put you out of step with the world. And so that's why I want to come to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verses 10 through 15, our next section in our study of 2 Timothy, because here we'll be helped to be different. Because here the apostle Paul urges Timothy, his son in the faith, to greater faithfulness in the gospel. And he's asking him to commit himself to that in the face of growing worldliness in the church and a culture that is increasingly Christless. In the last days, you won't be able to tell the church from the world. And Timothy is commended and urged to be different. You see it in verse 10, and you see it in verse 14 with the two differentiating words, but you. In contrast to verses 1 through 9, where we read about the last days, perilous as they will be, marked by a form of godliness, an empty religion, marked by worldliness in the church, marked by false teachers such as Janus and Jamborees of that kind. Timothy is to be different. But you have carefully followed my doctrine. Verse 14, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of. Paul is calling Timothy to be an island of gospel commitment in a sea of gospel compromise. So there's several things we can learn. If you want an outline, I think we can, from the text, look at the contrast, the conformity, the conflict, the continuance. Number one, the contrast. I'm just picking up the point I've already made. 
This section begins with a contrast being drawn between Timothy and the false teachers and their empty religion. Notice the words, as I said in verse 10, but you. Guy King, an old English commentator, says the word but is the corner word of Scripture. And what he means by that is every time you read the word but, you're about to turn a corner. The direction of the text is about to change. He gives a couple of examples about Naaman back in 2 Kings, the mighty man, but Naaman was a leper. That's quite a turn. You go to Ephesians 2, we're dead in our sin. We're without Christ in the world, without hope, but God has made us alive in Jesus Christ because of his great love. That's quite a turning of the corner. And here you have this list that will mark the last days where men will be lovers of themselves and lovers of pleasure and not lovers of God. And that will infect the church. But Timothy is to dare to be different. He's to march to the drumbeat of another drummer. He's to follow Christ. In fact, he's to follow Paul as Paul has followed Christ. And so that's what I call the contrast. A line of demarcation is being drawn The list of virtues that Timothy has followed from the life of Paul contrasts the list of vices in verses 2 through 5. Timothy is to be different in doctrine, conduct, purpose. He was to be orthodox, saintly, and God-centered. This wouldn't be easy for Timothy. Let's remind ourselves of his timidity. He realized that this would come at a cost. Paul is imprisoned. Paul is alone. Paul is facing threats on every side, and Timothy is being encouraged to follow his example. So this standing out and this standing up will come at a cost. But there's plenty of encouragement. We don't have time. I just actually, when I paused and realized, hey, this has got to be a tough call for Timothy, I did remind myself of all that is being encouraged about up until this point. He has Paul's prayers. In chapter 1, he's the encouragement of his family. He's got the affirmation of the presbytery who laid their hands on him. He's got God's call and purpose in his life. In chapter 1, verse 14, Paul talks about the Spirit of God that indwells us. Chapter 2, verse 1, he talks about standing strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 2, verse 8, he's told to remember Jesus Christ, the seed of David, risen from the dead. In chapter 2, verse 9, he's talked about the word that is not bound. In chapter 2, 10 to 12, he's talked about eternal glory. In chapter 2, the foundation of the Lord stands sure, the unshakable nature of the church. So there's plenty of encouragement standing behind Timothy. So while this call is not easy, it is underwritten with encouragement after encouragement. So Timothy must not exhibit a spirit of fear, but continue in gospel commitment, even in perilous times with perilous men. He was to stand out and stand up in the face of the decline in morality, powerless religion, and the spread of false teaching. He was not to hide his loyalty. Same with us. But you... Keep following my example. But you keep continuing in the path of cross-bearing discipleship, Christ-honoring leadership. This is no time to hide your colors, Timothy. No time for us either, guys. So that's the contrast. Secondly, the conformity. Knowing that Timothy would need a leg up to help him dare to be different. 
Paul reminds him of the encouragement and the example he has derived from his spiritual father in the faith. This is verses 10 and 11. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of them all, the Lord delivered me. In following Paul's example, Timothy was able to pursue gospel faithfulness and fruitfulness. And so before Paul turns to the future, verse 14, but you must continue in the things which you have learned. He turns to the past. And basically, hey, Timothy, you need to keep doing what you've been doing. And you know what? My example has been an encouragement to you. And you've conformed to that. And you know, if you keep conforming to that, you keep submitting to that godly influence in your life, you will dare to be different. You have you must, you will. In fact, guys, the little phrase here, carefully followed, is an interesting phrase. It was used in religious circles of teachers and their students, almost like an apprenticeship or in an internship. And wherever the teacher went, the student went. Wherever the mentor went, the mentee went. And so that's what we've got here. In fact, it carries the idea of studying something, in this case, someone, studying someone at close quarters. I mean, I got to see that for the four years I spent as an apprentice in Short Brothers in Belfast, the aerospace company. And my journeyman was a man called Jimmy Blaine, who I continue to, to love to this day. And I would go to my technical classes on a Tuesday night. And a lot of the time, it didn't make sense until Wednesday morning on the line with Jimmy explaining to me how it's done, up close and personal. And that's what's going on here. Mentoring involves modeling. This was discipleship up close and personal. There was a, not just the transference of knowledge, there was a transference of life. And Timothy probably had the closest relationship with Paul of all of Paul's colleagues. And so he got to see him in all kinds of situations. He spent a lot of time with him. He followed closely Paul's doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, so on and so forth. And we'll have a list here of, of some of the virtues that Paul exhibited. And remember, these are virtues in contrast to vices. Okay, you've got Paul's virtues that Timothy was to follow and has been following in verses 10 through 11, and they are set in contrast to the vices that will mark the behavior of men in the last days, verses 2 through 5. I'm just going to go down the list. It would be a sermon in itself to expound them, but I think they're almost self-explanatory. You know, you have carefully followed my doctrine. You know my theology. I've explained the gospel to you. You followed my manner of life. You've seen that my behavior has been informed by my belief. There's not a disconnect between what I say and what I do. You've followed my purpose. You know I'm devoted to the gospel. You have seen that I have a singular focus in life. My life is headed in one direction. You've followed my faith. I don't think that's a body of truth here. I think that you've seen my personal trust in God and His Word. You've seen me, in all kinds of trying circumstances, trust the Lord in the place of His sufficiency and His sovereignty. Long-suffering, you've followed that. You've seen me be patient 
in dealing with people and persecutors. You've followed my love. You've seen my love as more than a sentiment or an emotion. It's a cross-centered love for friend and foe modeled after the cross. You've seen my perseverance, my steadfastness in trying circumstances. You've seen my persecutions, how I have stood up to the hatred of the world that hates Christ and therefore hates his followers. You've seen my afflictions, my suffering associated with ministry. In fact, guys, just to pick up, the fact that Paul in this passage mentions something that of his persecutions and afflictions, which happened at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, which persecutions I endured, that underscores the fact that Timothy got to see what we're talking about. Because most commentators would argue that if you go back to Acts 13 and 14, where these places are mentioned and Paul's persecutions are recorded during his first journey, you'll realize that Timothy's town was what? Lystra. And there's every possibility that Timothy saw the stoning of the apostle Paul, where he was there for a dead man outside the city. In fact, John Stott argues that the very witnessing of Paul's stoning may have been the trigger to bring him to faith, just like the stoning of Stephen was the trigger to bring Paul to faith. How interesting. But the point is, hey, Timothy, you've carefully followed my example. You've seen my manner of life, my purpose, my faith. In fact, you've witnessed me getting stoned in Lystra. You know I'm the real deal. And what you've seen in me, I need to see in you. This is not exhibitionism, by the way, guys, this list of virtues. It's not Paul going, take a look at me. It's Paul recording an exemplary life for the purposes of bringing the best out in another. It wasn't about him, it was about Timothy. It wasn't about him. It was about the glory of Christ and his young servant. So here's the point as we apply this. We need to find models of gospel continuance. Really? You want to be different? Want to stay the course? You want to be found standing for Jesus Christ at the end of your life and at the end of life? Find yourself a model of gospel continuance. It's a real help. The influence, the inspiration the modeling. It's critical for our productivity and for our perseverance, just like Timothy. But you, that's the contrast, have carefully followed my doctrine and the manner of life. That's the conformity. People who will act as handrails for you, to help steady you when it's tough, to help guide you when it's confusing as you pursue Christ. Here's a little statement, write it down. We need people who follow Christ to follow. That's one of the musts of the Christian life. We need to find people who follow Christ to follow. Timothy found it in Paul. You can find them. It starts at home with godly parents in the best of circumstances. What a treasure to have a godly father, a godly mother. It's a treasure that I treasure. So thankful for the memory, both past and present, as my parents are still alive, of godly parents, faithfulness to the local church, faithfulness to each other, love for Jesus Christ, knowing that my dad gets up every morning and reads his Bible, can engage in gospel conversation as a witness in his community. It's a great legacy. 
and it's wind in your seal. Now, here's an interesting thing, but we cannot choose our parents. And so some of us haven't enjoyed the privilege of godly parents. Well, you may not be able to choose your parents, but you can choose your friends. So go and find some models of gospel continuance in your friends. Choose your friends carefully. He that would be wise walks with the wise, according to the book of Proverbs. Besides our physical fathers, we can also find spiritual fathers. You know, those Pauls that wants to find himself a Timothy. It's wonderful. How important to find a spiritual father. And you know, that spiritual father needs to be a lot wiser and a lot older than you. His odometer shows quite a few miles. He's turned quite a few corners. He's climbed quite a few hills. He knows what it is to be broken down at the side of the road. He'll help you get there. And here's one other thing, just in closing. While in the best of circumstances, the spiritual mentor needs to be up close and personal, as we see here in the relationship with Paul and Timothy, you can find heroes at a distance. In my life, I've enjoyed all of these things. I've had godly parents. I've chosen good friends. I've spiritual fathers in the faith like Pastor McLaughlin and John MacArthur. But I've also got heroes at a distance. You'll find them in books. You can find your mentor among the living. But listen, guys, you can find your mentor among the dead. Pick some hero of Christian history and get to know him. Spurgeon's one of my favorites. I've read several biographies. It's inspiring. It's stirring. You can find yourself a mentor in all of these areas. And that's what... Paul was to Timothy. You're listening to Know the Truth, the start of a message titled Dare to be Different. If you missed any of today's lesson or would like to hear another, we've made all of Philip's sermons easy to find at ktt.org or on the KTT app and podcast. Well, as we heard in today's lesson, as Christians on a journey of faith, we need fellowship with faithful followers of Christ people who act as handrails to help steady you when it's tough and help guide you when it's confusing. That's what Paul was to Timothy. And that's what we at Know the Truth strive to be to our listeners. As a listener-supported program, it's your donations that make this ministry possible. When you support Know the Truth, you're not only helping cover the many costs of producing this Bible teaching program, but you're helping strengthen the faith of believers all around the world. And this month, we'd like to invite you to partner with us by becoming a Truth Ambassador. These faithful supporters give a monthly automated gift to Know the Truth and receive exclusive benefits in turn. You can learn more by calling 888-644-8811 or visit ktt.org. When you give, you'll receive Living by God's Promises. This book will help deepen your Christian life by drawing from stellar Puritan treatises on divine promises from God. It features powerful revelations by Andrew Gray, Edward Lee, and William Spurstow, offering them a contemporary language for today's readers. It's a book you'll want to reread and share with others. Also, when you become a Truth Ambassador, you'll receive the brand new Know the Truth shirt as a practical reminder of your important role in this ministry. Again, call 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org today. 
And before you go, be sure to link up with us in our social media channels. You'll find us on most platforms when you search for Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd. Join us again tomorrow as Philip concludes today's message titled, Dare to be Different. That's Wednesday here on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Yeah.